Well, welcome back to the C3 podcast. I am Nathan, and sitting across from me is Derek. Hey, Derek, I heard something incredible about you. Oh, boy. Uh, are, you're an Apple expert? I didn't know this. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I became an Apple, Apple expert, I guess, in how the long, eyes of first graders. How long so. does it take to become an Apple expert? Uh, it took me about expert. three to four seconds um, <laughs> when I realized that I was going to be giving a presentation. So, Okay, the, context. The, the context, yes. Um, my, my son, Riken, is um, in first grade. And they were doing a, a section on apples in their class. And um, we have at the house that we, we bought a couple years ago that we've um, been fixing up and stuff, there are a bunch of apple trees, a little apple orchard that the previous owner had. And so my wife, Tessa, sent a message to the teacher and said, hey, you're doing apples section. We've got a bunch of apple trees and, and they've done really good this year. Um, surprisingly without all, without much rain, but they've done really well. So we have a lot of apples on our, you know, we have like probably 40. The, apple, so. the children haven't been doing well, but the <laughs> apples. <are there>. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, uh, the, we probably have like 40 or so apple mm-hmm. trees and I would say 20 to 25 of them have a lot of apples yeah. on them. So we have hundreds and hundreds of apples. And so we're like, Hey, what a great way to let them see apple trees and things like that. So they park at our house and we're walking out. It's probably a couple hundred feet over to the apple orchard. And so we're walking over there with them and I'm kind of leading the line. And we get to kind of the middle of it where there's a big tree with a bunch of apples on it. (laughs) And all the kids are kind of circling around. The teacher goes, okay, everybody circle around and listen to him. And that was the moment that I realized I was giving a presentation on apples. Um, so yeah, so that was good. So, um, you know, I, I know more about apples than I ever thought I probably would just simply from having apple trees and needing to like figure out what's this mean? This looks like that's probably not right. And Google can be a friend a lot when you're trying to figure out what's wrong with your trees, but there is more information available today than there ever has been in the world. Yeah. But when you are put on the spot to talk about apples for I don't know. How long did you feel like you had to talk for that? <laughs> well, it felt like half an hour, but it was probably like five to ten minutes of my tops. But um, no, it was totally, it was totally fine. It wasn't bad at all. Um, but you know, I was like, well, you see this spot right here on these apples? That's caused by bugs because they are eating the apple, and this is where the branches rubbed against the apple. And so I, I don't have a story that rivals that. But you know, I, I studied science in yeah. in college and. When Margaret was student teaching, she asked me to come out and to do a little like demonstration, some yeah. some science they're doing like chemical and physical changes. Right. So, so we were we were talking about that, and and I show up at Holy Family where she's doing her student teaching, and Margaret's in the midst of teaching, and she's like, and we have a very special guest today to talk about science, and all the kids go, "Is it Bill Nye?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no!" Like. <laughs> I am I am not going to meet their expectations. Right. Like <laughs> Got uh, all built fantastic. up. Fantastic. Bill Nye is here. Yeah. And they're then they're all like, oh my gosh. And nope, not even close. Oh, it's um, Nathan. It's, <laughs> it's discount Bill Nye. That's good. The That's free, good. the five finger discount, right? <laughs> yeah. So I can understand being put on the spot and being like, I have to make something up. Yeah. 
for a bunch of children to keep themselves and it is not easy so and it's and it like it wasn't the teacher's fault at all because like obviously like we're inviting them to come out to our house and everything like if i would have thought for a minute before like they got there of like what's going to happen when we get here but i just like in my mind was just like hey they're coming to see apple trees and pick apples yeah and then we got there i was like wait like something should probably be said so <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but Amazing. you know, I don't, I don't think any first graders knew what was going on. My <laughs> wife does, was like, did you like look stuff up beforehand or not? And I was like, nope, <laughs> just went <laughs> Wait, off, went off the top. Yeah, Tell me about the different apple varieties that you have. Yeah. The dipple, different, uh, apple varieties that we have planted at our house are red, green, and yellow. <laughs> Because I have no idea what the actual Abs- names of them are, but I know what colors they are. There you go. <laughs> I think that for for a first grader, that's pretty good. Yeah, they they loved it. Red, they thought it was yellow, great. And green. Oh, he knew so much about apples. It was great. And questions from first graders are very interesting as well. Oh yes, somewhat repetitive, but very interesting. <laughs> are you surprised? No, uh, it was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a whole bunch of fun. Oh, and yeah. I thought that that was a great story to be able to share. To mm-hmm. you know, those are those moments that that really define us and who That's we right. are yeah. when we get put in front of a bunch of six year olds. And okay, now listen. Uh-huh. Oh, that's like existential crisis inducing. Like, what can I say to a six-year-old that is, that is going to be worthwhile? So we're, we just finished... Um, our Sticks and Stones series culminating in your final message on Mm -hmm. Christians don't care about me. And instead of just focusing in on a single topic, what we'd like to do is just kind of have a a discussion about this series holistically. Mm -hmm. The idea is that, you know what, there's a good reason that some of this discourse is out there. But that need not put us into this place where I am fatalistically determined to do this, right? right? Like, we have agency. We have the Spirit of God that lives within us to offer us into a more abundant way of being human in in the world and in our community. So let's just kind of start there, um, just considering each of the, the seven topics that we've gone over, what are the ones that you, like, they just felt so difficult for you because it was like, there's a lot of truth in this message. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, we, I, I think one of the reasons we started with the first one is it's probably the most common that's that's heard or out there. And yeah. that being Christians are right, Christians have hypocrites, right? Christians are hypocrites. And, and, and again, because I think there's probably a pretty wide vein of truth in that every person that lives is a hypocrite to some degree or another, right? Like we all say things that we feel, believe, or, or want to believe or want to be about that. If we look deep enough into our life, (laughs) we're going to be a hypocrite at some level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, but, but when we, when we talk about that, that shouldn't just be an excuse for us to not care about what we're saying, what we're doing and what mm-hmm. we're standing for. Like we should, we should still like, if we say something as a follower of Jesus and, and I mean, we're talking as a podcast for our church family. So we're right. going to be, be saying followers of Jesus, but really 
any person. If you're saying something, then it should be something that you truly believe you truly are. Uh, it is something that um, you intend to either live out or to do depending on what the circumstance is. Yeah. But, but I think that that, that one obviously is, is, is tough to, to reason with and wrestle with because there is a lot of truth in that. And, and there's not a perfect answer to, you know, well, how do we prove to people that we aren't hypocrites as believers in Jesus? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know that we can. Yeah. Right? I think that, honestly, the the whole thing is that Christians are hypocrites is pretty much seen in these six following ways, yeah, right? It's like, okay, Christians are hypocrites because Jesus says to care about people and Christians don't care about people. Right. We are hypocrites because... More than more than a lot of the things that get a lot of attention in church, the Christian needs to be in control of their monetary um, expenditure right. and the way that they are going about conceptualizing money. Um, more, <laughs> we are hypocrites in the way that we um, point out the wrong in others yeah. and are incapable of doing so to ourselves. And. The first thing that I want to do is just offer a little bit of grace. Mm -hmm. We are works in progress. Right. And because, you know, if I if I were to talk to myself five years ago, I can see where some of the things that I was saying there, I am at a point now where I'm like, I believe less than half of these things. Right. Or yeah. I behave in a completely different manner. So this isn't this like browbeating Christians are the worst of all time, right. but like this, this is kind of a means of grace right. to realize that we are, we're called to live differently and we can, right. we can actually make a difference in, in the way that we live in our community because of the redemption that we've experienced in Jesus. Sure. And, you know, I, as you're saying that, Nathan, you know, I'm reminded of it's, it's a little bit cliche, but I've heard said in Christian circles of, you know, I'm not who I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Yeah. Right. And, and I think there's, while that is a bit cliche, I do think there's some truth in that as followers of Jesus, that it is this, this process that we go through of becoming who we're supposed to be um, as as a, a person made in the image of God, yeah. and 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 what does that look like? And and that adjusts for us as we go throughout life, as we learn, as we grow, as we have people who can speak truth into our lives to say, "Hey, I think you're kind of I think you're kind of off right here." And and like you said, you don't you you don't feel as strongly about certain things in your life that you did 5 years ago yeah. but there's probably other areas you feel a lot more strongly about mm -hmm. because of of the burdens that God's put on your heart and yeah. i think that that's all part of this process and and i think when we look at you know this this series it's again not to be browbeating and saying hey we all stink and we need to do a lot better job um but it's more so how do we, where, where are we at in that process? And individually, what do we feel convicted by God yeah. to, to do about it and, yeah. and to change about ourselves? Because that's, that's ultimately what we need to be doing is yeah. continuing to grow, continuing to be willing to change the things that, that either people that we, we trust who can speak into our lives are saying to us, or that God is convicting us uh, in, our, in our own quiet time or, or through our own thoughts and convictions um, to, to, to adjust or, or do better in. Yeah. You know, uh, this might be our first rabbit trail, but I, I, think, I think that cliches get a really bad rap. Uh -huh. And the whole reason that they do is they, 
try to bypass complexity. Sure. So if if you think of like com- complexity as a hole or a, a, a lake or something like that, and let's say we're on the near side of the lake. Yeah. If someone is on the same side as us and saying like some sort of cliche, disregarding that complexity that's right there, then it's it's a bypass. It's an avoidance sure. of the the real look at oneself. But then if if someone's on that far side of complexity, right, and they say something pithy or or simple, mm-hmm. uh, but there's there's profoundness in that experience sure. of I've gone through this entire complexity. And I can kind of I can boil it down mm. into something a little bit more palatable. Sure, yeah, that makes um, sense. Either either way, it's it's a semantic sort of thing. Um, but I really I want to believe that people are trying their hardest yeah. with what they have. And my best in 2017 is a heck of a lot different than my best in 2022. Sure. And and hopefully that's in a positive. Right. direction sure, you know yeah. rather than just like being being weighed on um so when we talk about the idea of like acknowledging the elements of truth mm-hmm. of the ways that we um that we mess up that we miss the mark that we are hypocritical that we are judgmental that we value people's money over their <laughs> their inherent value right. like What's the first thing that we need to do as Christ followers? What uh, hopefully the end goal is resulting in an entirely different behavior that's cohesive and congruent with the things that God is calling us to do, and sure. that that feels validating and fulfilling and joyful right. and and that sort of thing. But like, what are the steps on the way to get to that sort of place? Yeah. You know, I think as as it is with just about anything we talk about from a faith perspective and a, and a, the walk of a follower is is starting our foundation in in the truths that we know about who God is and what he calls us to be mm-hmm. and and those truths being mostly found in scripture yeah. right and and people who can speak those truths into our lives that are that are trusted um faith mentors or or <clears throat> spiritual leaders and so you know i think that in all of these and and that's why throughout this entire series, the messages, we started with what scripture have to say about this, right? right? Because I think we have to start there because that if we're followers of Jesus, if we believe that the word of God is this, you know, guide guidelines, handbook, whatever you want to call it for our lives. It's authoritative on matters of how we ought to live. Exactly. And so if, if we believe that to be the case, as we do, then we've got to start there with what does this say? And if, and, and then what is that, what should that change about me and the way I view this, the way I go about living my life in regard to this area, um, and, and starting with that biblical truth foundation is yeah. what I feel would be step one. Yeah. I, I think that in, in a lot of ways, we're having a real hard look at, at the ways that we've messed up. Yeah. And the spiritual disciplines here are, are confession and repentance mm-hmm. that, that first come to mind. First of all, We've got to not tie our value. We've got to separate the idea that the things that we do are do not necessarily indicate who we are, right. and that that validation comes from God, mm-hmm. like through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are, we have been given inherent value. Yes. When God creates in Genesis, He says that humanity is 
good. Right. And, and that we are trying to recover that goodness that has been present in us all along. I think mm-hmm. of, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of the way that I, I systematize this, right? That we have this, this sort of idea of beginning, um, and, and we go away from, from this sort of thing. You know, we, we are deceived by the easy pleasures that stand in the way as opposed to these fulfillments on the side of, of adherence to the things that God says. But like, ultimately, Paul ends up saying in Ephesians that we're God's handiwork. Yeah. We're, ma- we're masterpieces. Right. Like, we, we are trying to realize that our actions should flow out of that inherent value mm-hmm. and not we have to strive to somehow make up value for ourselves to be good enough yeah. to, to be God, godly and to admit our wrong, to admit I'm, I'm falling short is not to say I'm a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. It is to say I'm not reflecting the value that is true of me. Yeah. So first what I need to do is I need to make sure that, that I validate that that's correct, that I have behaved in a way or cho- chose not to behave in a way that was consistent with that inherent value that God has given. Mm-hmm. The next thing to do is to make a difference, to yeah. to live differently in the world after that that knowledge, that truth of forgiveness, yeah. right? So, so living practically like out of the forgiveness of God, how do we go about mending the 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 rifts that have been caused by hypocrisy, by uh, financial greediness right. of the church. Because, you know, we we may not be guilty of these things, but we are grafted into a family that for all of time right. has been guilty of these things yeah. as well. Sure. How, how are some... Pra- how do we go about doing this? <clears throat> you know, I and, and real quick, I just want to... You, you brought up the being God's handiwork in this masterpiece. I've always... Um, and and I, I believe I heard this in a message very early on in my my walk of faith. But um, I, whenever I I hear that and 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 read that verse, I'm I'm reminded of you know from the perspective of art and yeah. and how mm-hmm. a masterpiece of art is created. It doesn't just come out immediately this perfect thing, right? right? Whether it's a painting or or a, a poem or whatever whatever we would take like. It, there's a process yep. that comes to that, right? Like this painting is, there's always something that got painted over or redone or, or um, reworked. And so I, I look at, at us being referred to as God's handiwork and masterpiece as it's okay to have these blemishes, but what is the, what is the process then to move from the blemishes to the masterpiece? Right. It's being, you know, and to, to answer your question, I think it's being brutally honest with ourselves in those areas where we do fall short and, and yeah. being okay in kind of that, that fight that we, we don't want to be wrong and we don't want to have fallen short. But the reality is no matter how hard we try and no matter how good we are, we're going to. Yeah. At, at times, um, and and being okay with the fact that that happened, but not okay with just staying there. And so I think that looks like you know if, if we've been a hypocrite and and that hypocrisy has hurt someone or that hypocrisy has has you know led someone to to think or feel differently because of of that to to go and make that right. Yeah. Um, if we've if we've allowed you know some of the the later the later sermons that we did of of. You know, if it's made somebody think that we think we're perfect, or if it's made us judge someone, mm-hmm. or if it's made us feel like we, or, or it's it's made us not just feel, but actually make somebody else feel not loved for, or not mm-hmm. cared for. 
then to go and make that right. Yeah. And to, to go and say, Nathan, I'm sorry for, for what I have done in the past, what I said in the past, what, what maybe you even just perceived from me in the past that, that was not loving, that was not caring, that was judgmental or made you think that I have it all figured out now because I don't. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm a work in progress and being brutally honestly honest with ourselves, but also brutally honest and transparent with, with others and the people around us, especially those that maybe have been affected by, by these things that maybe we've fallen short in. I think that that is a very, um, real way that we can put into action the yeah. the things that we're talking about to try to right the wrong for yeah. lack of better terms. Yeah, and you know, in a in a, a really different way, you're you're describing facets of responsibility and accountability. Yeah. Um, and I want to add that these things aren't punitive. Sure. Right. One does not have to be punished yeah. for being accountable for their behavior. Right. Um. In fact, <laughs> literature would suggest that that's not a really great way of actually mm. making behavior change. Um, the scriptures would tell us that it's the kindness of God that leads yeah. us to repentance. Right. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's really significant, that an honest look at where we are in reality mm. need not be this shame and death-seeking theologizing, right? right? You don't have to... <laughs> to poo-poo on yourself right. for lack of a better term in order to be accountable for your behaviors yeah. and to expect yourself uh, and expect those who share your name yeah. to live to a higher standard. And, and you don't have to wait until you're called out or you're caught. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that's how we operate in our world today is like, yeah. if somebody figures out that I was a fraud or that I did <laughs> yeah. something wrong, yeah. then I'll apologize then. Or if somebody calls me out on it, I'll do it then. But, but if it can just kind of sweep under the rug and, and, and not get um, seen or called out by other people, then we'll just move on with our lives. I, th- I think that's a reality yeah. too, that, that as followers of Christ, if we're convicted by something, there's a reason for that conviction mm-hmm. and we shouldn't ignore it, but that we should be the ones taking the step to go and, 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 and apologize or make right, whatever yeah. that looks like. Um, not, not waiting to, till it's almost, like you said, almost required for yeah. us. So, so provided that that we're trying to do that work yeah. in and of ourselves and and some practical ways of, of going about it are are just you know reflecting at the end of the week i if if someone and this is for me as well if if someone has fallen out of the rhythm of sabbath as a place to mm. reflect on where you are and and take an honest look at where you are i i just want to invite you into doing that. It, Sabbath is a time where we stop, we rest, yeah. we examine, we delight in in God and the goodness that he's brought to us and and worship can look at can be looking at ourselves and confessing and repenting and and just, you know, sit down at the end of the week and and start to think about and invite God into the process of where did I not represent you well? And how can I make that right? Mm-hmm. Assuming that that's the case, because that's simple, but sure. that is not easy. It is yeah. not easy to have those hard conversations with yourself. Right. Um, God loves us in the midst of them. I think he's waiting for us to do things like that. Yeah. And I wonder what our, our community would look like if if each of us were to do that individually, but also collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and this is kind of where I'm going. We 
provided that we're, we're trying to view ourselves as a work in progress, we also want to view our church as a work in progress and, and to be able to call each other out of, um, out of our sin, out of our wrong ways of living into a, a way that is what Jesus calls abundant. And how, how do we go about doing that? You know, I think that this is something that's going to be a big focus for for our church moving forward. Um, something that um, you know, over the last couple of years, we've had these spiritual disciplines that we've focused on throughout the year. Is kind of the you know, we kind of said step one, getting that biblical foundation, yeah. and just that habit of right. communion with God through exactly, the and yeah. getting to know God through the scriptures and and deepening in that that knowledge, and then and in prayer mm-hmm. and those type of things and. And so we focused on that for the last couple of years, and, and now we just really feel like that next step is 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 coming together in in the community, and encouraging yeah. each other, and challenging each other, and and being there for each other, yeah. um, in ways that um, that again are very biblical and yeah. are rooted in in very biblical um, ideas, uh, but is something that that again full transparency has been okay at times in the history of our specific church celebration community church um but may but not as strong as we'd like to see them um and so we feel it's it's our responsibility to to try and improve on that yeah and try to um, see a, a deepening sense of that community because i think out of that community um, and being together with other believers and it, it gives us that opportunity to have people speak speak life into us and challenge us in areas that we need to, as well as us be that for other people. And, and that ultimately is, is the beauty of coming together as the church is, you know, and I, I said at the end of my message this, this past weekend, you know, may, may we be known as a church and people that care for each other and, and, or that care for others and love others well. Mm-hmm. And that starts with us and God, and then us and the people that we're close to here within our church yeah. context, and then from that being able to take it out. But yeah. but specifically, I think that it, it is a coming together of believers to to hold each other accountable, to hold each other up, and and to to kind of you know again to use that cliche of 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 just being being together in this this biblical community mm-hmm. that 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 goes through the ups and downs of life together. Yeah, so often. It's dichotomized in in normal like religious spaces of like the most important thing that you can possibly do yeah. is be relational with Jesus. Right. I mean, there's not really a scriptural impetus for that being the case. It's not this either or of like, should I do this Christian thing by myself or with others? It's a both, both and, yeah. uh, you know interpretation of what we're supposed to do with the biblical imperatives is done in a communal context and has been done forever. The fact that we're talking about sermon series just goes to prove that that's like, that's how y'all as pastors are thinking, this is what we need to focus on as a community of believers. Right. So so one, we just have to be present with each other, and we're, we're accomplishing that in some ways on, on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But there's this, I hear this deep desire in a lot of the conversations that I'm privy to sit in, mm-hmm. that we want to be with each other always that christianity is a consummate way of being in the world it's not an hour on the weekend 
Right. It's not, I'm going to listen to this sort of music and then I'm going to compartmentalize and, and kind of be, you know, less than conscious about how I'm living in the world. But it's this idea that all of me and all of the places that I am a person mm-hmm. are meant to be filtered through the lens of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something incredibly relational. The, the fact that God is, is Trinity, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have good understanding that that God is inherently relational as yeah. part of his character mm-hmm. and and thus you know the idea is Christ relates to the bride mm-hmm. doesn't relate to us as individuals necessarily right i think that because we are a western hyper individualized yeah. culture this is you know this is vestigial from the enlightenment right. so from thinking that the individual is is where things are are focused it's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. We're, we need to think about the, ourselves in the communal context. Mm-hmm. The communal context is where things like sins are forgiven, um, where salvation happens. It happens at, right. a, at a community group level. The idea that we have, I don't know, five to 600 people sitting in our worship center <laughs> over a weekend, it is nearly impossible to be communal with a, right. a group that large not a, not on a deep level not on a least. deep level we sure. may get we it's, again it's kind of some of those you know a surface level conversation or yeah. a deep conversation yeah we're able to have some of those surface level community things you're going to say hi to a lot of people walking in or leaving and you might have a couple conversations with a couple people um and may i interrupt to say minutes. that there's yes. nothing wrong with that no absolutely there's nothing not. wrong with superficial conversation that welcomes someone absolutely no right exactly there's there's nothing wrong with it but it is the i but there is the reality that it is it is different than what we're what we're talking about with community is do we want you to feel a sense of community when you walk in the doors of our church in a weekend service of course it's in the name of our church celebration community church we want that to be something that people experience but there's also this deeper sense of community that we want to have people in our church um, experience as well. And and I know that, you know, it, again, we, we use terms sometimes like church family and things like that. The reality is there's baggage with a term like that, even of family, because yes. sometimes family is difficult and family's hard and we don't want to spend a lot yeah. of time with all of our family if, you know, if we're all being completely honest. Um, and so... You know, as we're talking about this, it's it's not meant to be this thing that would be despised or that you don't want to do, but it's a way of of living life better, right? And more encouraging, and right. and a way of of making like when you talk about filtering everything through that that lens of Christianity, it's not again out of obligation or or duty or whatever. Yeah. It's because when we do that everything becomes a little more connected. Everything becomes a little more, you know, better. And I want to use the term better because not necessarily easier, not necessarily always, uh, you know, and and I even hesitate to use the term better because we think very positive things. But when I'm talking about better, I'm meaning that whatever life throws at us, we're going to be better off when we're together. Perhaps a more resilient sort of thing. Right. Um, you know, it's it's funny that that you mentioned that because I was just in in res- thinking of how I'm going to respond is just the idea of what within Christianity needs to become that filter. 
is not going to be this uniform sort of thing. Mm. There are personality types in our church that are going to be far more interested in sort of like doctrinal ascents. There are going to be people who are like, okay, how do I practically model the love of Jesus? And we need both of these things in conversation with one another. Mm -hmm. One of the, the things that's messy about family is that we can be in the same place and live in the same environment and have completely different experiences sure. and beliefs and attitudes and and that's okay right and a place to dialogue where you first say there is nothing that can take us apart mm-hmm. is a very safe space yeah, to be absolutely um and and that sort of dialogue is is so important. So I'm just thinking about like the function, the beneficial functions of community. And first is a, just a place to learn. Yeah. Um, learning within community through dialogue, through practicing things together, through yeah. listening to those of us in community who are teachers, try to uh, give some some wisdom. Um, to be encouraged is another thing that's that's so important, whether that be just a, a word of affirmation or being present through the worst of the human experience. Right. I mean, you know, there there are some people, and I'm I feel very thankful that mm-hmm. in in me being the worst version of me, mm-hmm. they decided never to forsake me. Right. They decided to sit with me in the midst of my failure. In the midst of my shame, right, and they reaffirmed the things that are true about me from God mm-hmm. that I could not accept about myself. Sure, and I feel very grateful for the pres- the presence of those folks Absolutely. in my life. What are some other uh, beneficial functions of community? You know, I I think that as we've been saying all this, something that's just been popping in my head, Nathan, is. You know, again, we talk about the people of of the church, the people of of God being the body, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that even what you were just saying there of like there's there's certain people who are very naturally encouragers. There's certain people who are very naturally those people who are going to set with you at your lowest and just be there with you, yeah. right? And and other people they're like. I can't just sit here and do nothing. Like, what can I do for you to make your life better and, and help you and be easier? Which, which again, we need all of those type of people in our life. And that's why we feel community is so important yes. is, you know, we're told that, that summer, summer hands, summer feet, summer eyes, summer mouth, summer, you know, and, and the beauty of that, when we look at this, this idea of a body is we only function at our best when we're together mm-hmm. and when we're working together. And, um, and when, if we lose a hand, we feel it and we notice it. Right. And, and I, yeah. and I think that's, that's a big part of this too, is that, um, we're better off together and we're, we're better when we're working together and we're fulfilling the, the purpose that we, we have in the body. Um, but also if, if, if we're, if we're missing or we're falling short, or maybe that, maybe the hand's just falling behind, right. That the rest of the body goes, Hey, come on, let's, 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 let's work together yeah. and, and let's, let, let's, let's fill in the gaps where we need to. So the hand can catch back up. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's, you know, there's a lot of ways we could go with that analogy, but I, but I think that's, that's just this, this picture that comes into my head of when we're together, 
we're, we're working as best as we possibly can. And then when, when, when part of us is hurting, the rest of us feel it too. And we're there for each other. Yeah. I, I really, I think that there are so many deep levels of analogy with the, the church as, as body. Uh Right. And it's the idea that like (laughs) there are bits of connective tissue all the time that when something happens to bring the body outside of homeostasis, that activates specific automatic Mm. responses. Like, you know, you cut, you cut your arm, uh, doing work. You don't have to tell the platelets in your body (laughs) to go do that. That's their function. They realize and they respond immediately to those needs. Mm. And I wonder if many of our church experiences have just never seen the body actualized and running at its full capacity, that it's maybe been, um, a place where where the different parts of the body just aren't even talking to one another. Right. You know, in in my in my work in in trying to become a mental health clinician, there are mm-hmm. certain um, pathologies that prohibit the the mind and body from really talking to one another and integrating. And this can be a really really distressing experience. Yeah. But for people who have been in that for so long. That's what they just believe that life is, mm. right? And and what we what we want is the system to function at its absolute best. Yeah. We want those things to communicate and to offer the good that that someone couldn't even fathom right. out of it. And and so some of these these spiritual disciplines that that we're talking about are our means to an end, mm-hmm. right? It's we don't tell people to pray because Prayer is the best thing that you can possibly do. Right. Prayer is a means to an end of relation with God. Yeah. And uh, we talk about community as a means to an end in terms of finding the niche that God has for us within the the social needs of humans. Right. We are inherently social creatures yeah. to to actually feel feel that fulfillment of of covenant relationship. Right. With that being said, this is what we're going to kind of call an audible on and and preach right. on for the next four or so weeks, and yeah. then this is the the big spiritual discipline ask for um, for twenty twenty three is the the ability to connect to some mm-hmm. of of the people uh, of our church in very deep ways. Yeah. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Just like uh, we've we've talked about a lot of different things today, sure. and just like where where are we going? Yeah. What is what is the whole goal and plan, and and what would we like to see in maybe December of twenty twenty three? Sure, yeah, and and we're gonna get we'll we'll dive deeper into this in a, in a future podcast as we get into this next series and 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 have Pastor Brant with us as as obviously him being the senior pastor. This is this is kind of the vision that he's casting for this next year, and so um, I'll, I'll allow him to speak on a lot of this, but just to kind of give a, a brief overview of kind of what we're doing is is we want again we we feel and and hope that people feel welcomed when they come to celebration community church sure that it's a place where they feel they can come in and they're not you know they're not judged for you know who they are what they look like what they what they think any of those type of things but that they're welcome to be here and 
and be a part of, of what we're doing as, as a as a church. And then um, the the idea for for next year is that we can take that to a deeper level for for people who who call this their church home. Yeah. That that there would be opportunities to to gather together to um, dive in, uh, you know, similar to what you and I are doing here on podcast, dive a little deeper into the things we're talking about during sermons, the things that we're feeling are important to our church family. Because again, like you said, while while yes, Pastor Brant is is picking out sermon series and and where we're going, a lot of times that is based off of conversations that we're having about where our church family is, what's going on in our church family, and these different. Um, dynamics. So, so through the opportunity to, to meet together, to to talk about the things that our church is learning together and growing together, talk about what's going on in our lives together. Uh, when you ask what what do we hope to see come December of 2023, would be that people are experiencing life in a more meaningful way. I mean, quite honestly, that that the things they're doing, um, again. A little bit of that filter of Christianity that this is part of that process, this community that they're experiencing, that that church is not just something that happens on the weekend as a to-do list check-off item, but that this becomes our uh, a central part of who we are and what we are about, and that there are people who are doing this with us who are again walking through those stages of life, good, bad, ugly, pretty, celebrating, hurting together. Um, so, so for, again, going very, going back to the individual, what would I hope for the individual who calls Celebration Community Church their home if they're plugged into what we're doing in 2023 come December would be that they don't feel like they're here by themselves. That, that, yeah, I have people I go to church with, but I don't really have anybody that I can count on or nobody really knows what's going on in my life. But that yeah. everybody would feel connected in a way that if something goes on in their life, they've got people they can lean on. And these are profound implications for mental health, for physical Absolutely. health, for emotional health, for, for growth. For every part of life. Because development is a, a, a lifespan yeah. sort of, sort of um, conception. Absolutely. And I think that, that what... You've talked about the individual, so I'm going to take a stab at community without sure. getting um, too hard, far ahead of myself and allowing yeah. Brant to really put the, uh, right. the horse in the cart uh, in their respective places, is to see the the people of the church meeting each other's needs and meeting the needs of others in the community so that we can invite them into abundant life as well yeah absolutely. so that, that they find a way of being human because in a lot of ways i feel like um, one of the the worst things about the pandemic has been this isolation yeah. of of different folks and i and i understand um that this is a contentious topic and i don't mean to to go into contention sure. but what what i do think is important is we have to realize that human sociality is a really, really important thing. Yeah. And to do that within the, the spiritual context of the body of Christ is, is something that is incredibly fulfilling in my life. Yeah. And I want others to, to feel the joy that I feel as well. Um, I want them to have the support systems that I feel like I have. Mm -hmm. and, and I want them to feel as if that growth is, is welcome, yeah. is um, supported, 
and and is encouraged by the people that are in their life. That it's not just be in the same room having a personal devotion yeah. um, on on Sunday, but that that we we do this together. Yeah. In order to to feel the benefit of life and life abundant together as well. Yeah, and I you know I think that one of the things that you hear said a lot about the pandemic is it just expedited a lot of things that were going to be happening anyway. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that's said in a negative light, but I think there's positive things in that as well. I think right. that this focus on community was coming for, and again, I don't think this is just our church who's seeing this. I think it's a, a global church thing. Agreed. Um, but, but I think it expediated realizing that people are missing that. And it just was masked in a lot of events and things that were happening prior to the pandemic. And then when the pandemic happened and we didn't have that community to lean on the way that maybe we thought we did or was right. we're, we're tricked into thinking we right. did have, yeah. um, you know, I, I think it just expediated what the church realized they needed to do to try yeah. to try to help provide this for, yeah. for the, the, the family. And so, um, you know, I, I look at, at, of all the the negative things that are said or or the things that we are discouraged at from the pandemic i i really view this as one that could be an incredible um life life altering thing for people and how they experience life moving forward change change is inevitable but it is also inherently neutral Uh change brings and and we are the meaning makers in that yeah you know in a lot of ways uh just as a, a case study, an anecdotal thing, my relationship with my sister is the best that it's ever been mm. after the pandemic because yeah. it really made me think about what do I value, who do I value, sure. and how am I making sure that even though physical distance separates us, that like we we are together. Yeah. And and I think that that's a good way to to start to think about all of the things that we've talked about right. is that many of these things are, are fairly neutral, but we're the ones that assign the meaning to them. Mm. Um, and if if we want to assign meaning to these things like community mm-hmm. or, or something like that, we ought to look at, at how God has done that and how we can align ourselves with that sort of true, that truth that we have found uh-huh. within within the text of the scriptures and then go forward and, and really be who Christ asks us to be. Absolutely. So.